Hi everyone, welcome to HR Elevate podcast. And today with us we have Miss Simran Obroy, Associate Director at AON, and she has over twenty years of experience in HR, and she is also visiting faculty at two MBA colleges. So let's welcome Miss Simran. Hi Simran, how are you? Hi Nishant, I'm very good. How are you? Thank you for having me here. It's great to have you here with us. Thank you for sparing time and being willing to share your insights and knowledge. No, no worries. My pleasure. So, uh, as we talk about HR experiences, what was your cue to get into HR vertical? Uh, so I'll tell you, my journey was very interesting because when I went to do my MBA, I had done my economics honors, so I had no. Okay. idea that i will actually specialize in human resources i had done my economics honors and my additional papers were maths and statistics so most people suggested that after you finish the first year in the second year when there specialization finance is the most likely choice you know given that was your area of uh, graduation and specialization so i said yeah sure why not makes sense so i did my summer training summer project in finance actually and when i did that i think i realized what i didn't want to do I still had not figured out what I wanted to do. Okay. <laughs> uh, But I, I think I figured that I don't want to do finance. Okay? okay. And but I did see a few things while I was because I was working in an organization on that project. So I realized I saw a few things. I experienced a few interactions with the HR professionals there. And then when I went back after the summer training, I mean again the likely choice was that okay no finance that means HR or marketing, right? I then went back in my mind. what were the papers i enjoyed studying okay. what did i like doing what were the uh, subjects that i interest I, i enjoyed listening to the professors about and i figured that yeah okay so hr was an area that i really enjoyed you know uh, doing in the first year itself when i went through those papers and uh, what i also saw was that couple of papers in marketing which uh, i had enjoyed studying in the first year so what i did was i chose that okay fine i'll do hr by and large if i can do 100% hr it's fine but i needed a couple of courses to complete the number of credits so i picked up hr the major of hr with a couple of uh, papers which are my marketing minors so that's how my journey in uh, deciding that i wanted to study hr uh, happened and uh, i think i like you know i always feel that sometimes knowing what not to do is the better way to identify you know what you're actually meant to do totally agree and i've been there at the point where you know Uh, after first year of mba you are like what should i take the major as and everyone suggests finance because hey <laughs> uh, this is a very specific statement for a from a person i know um, right. family friend and he pursued right. uh, he's from mit massachusetts so his uh, suggestion holds a lot of weight and his statement was mba is for finance why else would you do mba <laughs> yeah Yes, I think that's what uh, I think. That's the yeah. general perception that used to exist. Yeah, you're right. And I still went for marketing, and it. <laughs> <laughs> so there was some backlash initially, but I pulled through. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So what happened after that? After you finished HR and marketing, and then went out to the real corporate world. Yeah. Where fights happen. 
so i think so i mean even the placement time was a little tricky because 2003 if you remember was just mm-hmm. in the back of uh, a recession so 2002 was a recessionary year because of like uh, to, uh, you know uh, 9/11 WWW. right so 9/11 was yeah. yeah so after that we saw that a lot of our seniors were finding it difficult to get placements then when we moved into 2003 things had not really changed a lot uh and um, you know we were and there were only three students out of 110 in the batch who were pure hr with this very minor marketing kind of profile wow and one of them was me and then we got to know that there weren't a lot of companies coming for hiring for hr roles uh, mm-hmm. given the situation but somehow i think what helped was that even the few that came they came with good roles Okay. okay and uh, well at that time because you are not experienced so you don't know what is a good role bad role so you just go with the brand or the name of the organization and what they have told you will be your job role so i applied for this role it was in organization development it network engineering organization wow. and uh, they didn't intend to come for an hr role but they thought okay chalo theek hai we have come so we will interview you know there are only three people what's the big deal so they interviewed <laughs> a couple of us and then uh, i got the role I I joined them as a management trainee, uh, so my first year actually and my only year in uh, corporate HR, because after that immediately after that I moved in HR consulting. But um, you know in that first year of course I learned a lot. I learned uh, again I think actual actually how an organization functions, and the role that these different sub functions or these different departments have in an organization overall organizational context. So I think that first year sort of set a little bit of foundation from a macro level point of view about you know um, what generally how an organization works and uh, you know how how teams need to work together so a lot of those things became clearer to me um to be very honest it was uh, a very comfortable role in the sense that i didn't have a, it was not a very um high pressure role and it was not a role where i needed to like i see a lot of young people who are especially in their first roles they're really pressured for time or deliverables or deadlines and things like that i didn't have that kind of pressure in the first year but yeah once i moved wow. to consulting of course consulting made up more than made up for it for <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i think that was uh, interesting so moving to consulting was a very different experience but i think uh, the fact that you're seeing me in consulting uh, after even like that many years so this two since 2004 now in consulting wow um it just says yeah so it just says that you know, that how much i enjoy what i do so <laughs> <laughs> wow now you have learned to enjoy the pressure yes and the uh, what fast paced life in consulting <laughs> vertical <laughs> absolutely i think the first couple of years and incidentally my first consulting role was also with aon you know so wow. i joined aon because it was huet at that point in time huet associates and mm-hmm. it was the largest brand in hr consulting and i it was an offer like for me it was a big jump because consulting roles were very few for freshers you know who okay. were coming from non consulting backgrounds so for me i had just worked one year as a management trainee and then for me to get a consulting opportunity was like a really big deal and especially in a consulting firm which was so well known and which had a large clientele in india and not just india mm-hmm. and apac in asia pacific so it really uh, it was just very easy to take that decision but i think uh, eventually of course i stayed on uh, because of the work because of the various pros that consulting has uh, outweighed the few cons that it has and uh, you're right okay. it was very high pressured initially 
but uh, also very exciting because you're working with very very different uh, teams plus i think the advantage was that you're working with a lot of clients so you have uh, experience of looking outside of your organization the pool of people you can learn from is much bigger so i think that was a very exciting for me wow yeah that's uh, something i have explored and learned about consulting initially it might feel to be very high speed chase yeah very stressful one of the reasons is because you don't just have to work with your internal teams but also with teams yeah. you just came in contact with and you are supposed to integrate with them at you know in a whim on the yeah. spot and that Absolutely. takes time and it takes practice and it does yeah. not happen naturally yeah also you know nishant what happens is that you know your clients often times know as much as you do or they sometimes know much more than you okay mm-hmm. so and as a consultant they still continue to view you as an expert right so yeah. you have a lot of pressure to make sure that your knowledge levels don't drop you know you are you know on top of what's happening in the market you're on top of what is happening in those industry segments uh, on top of the news related to clients you're working with so it's not really just what we do inside what models we follow what approaches we follow or what methodology we follow in consulting but it's much beyond that so i think that also adds to the pressure of wanting to remain uh, one step ahead yeah true that's uh, these are the hidden aspects of being in consulting you always have to be one step ahead because that's what you're getting paid for absolutely completely so as you grew through the ranks in yeah. hr how did your perspective change about hr vertical and how did you get into dei so i think that's a very interesting question because uh, the again like with most other things it was not by design okay it was by okay. chance so i uh, was working in consulting so i was i worked with aon which was huge associates then i worked with pwc uh, in consulting with government clients then i moved to hey group which is now conferry so bought by bought over by conferry now and okay. uh, i worked in you know i was leading the apac vertical for one of their business uh, uh, segments uh, from an industry point of view and okay. i think all of that gave me a lot of good experience and knowledge but at that point in time i felt that there was something i wanted to do something different okay i didn't want to do line hr or corporate hr that much i knew again i think knowing what you don't want is very good very important yes. but i felt that if i don't want to do consulting right now or if i want to do consulting but in a different form how should mm-hmm. i approach it you know so that's when i you know started looking out for roles and i got this opportunity with society for human resource management okay so okay. shrm india they were setting up their knowledge development practice and their entire knowledge development practice if you go to their website also is divided into 12 11 to 12 different hr disciplines okay. so i was in charge of a few disciplines and one of those disciplines was dei okay okay and so that is where my journey started and this would have been about uh, 2010 2011 which is when i sort of realized that i it was the onus of building the knowledge that is going to be consumed by hr professionals okay mm-hmm. the owners mm-hmm. for that for this particular vertical lies with me okay, okay. so for wow. which i have to equip myself to <laughs> be good enough right again it's the same thing right so you are catering to an audience which is if not more knowledgeable at least as knowledgeable as you and they are still viewing you as an expert so you have to come and give them something which is expertise driven 
so you True. know from that point of view i started upskilling myself i started re- not only reading about ai but also started assisting in a couple of projects internally in shrm which were related to dei so for example there was an shrm project which was being done with iim bangalore uh, okay. the research team was working on that project in uh, multi generational diversity okay and how it's imp- and its impact in the workplace so, and imagine this is in 2012 okay yeah 2012 uh, at that so over 11 years ago and you know the person who was heading that research she was working on that research i started reading up about the research and she sort of moved out of the organization so somehow because i was part of the knowledge development team the owners to close the project fell on me wow. so, I, <laughs> so i said now i have to study now i have no option yeah. i have to deliver this project and i have to deliver it with i am bangalore you know so the professors there so we did a lot of work and thankfully she had actually done the bulk of the work it was just some fair a little bit of closure towards the end So I think that is where it all just started, like you know, you know, owning a particular vertical, learning more about it, trying to gain experience, practical experience while I was in that organization. And after I moved out of SHRM, also I worked with a couple of organizations in DEI because by that time I had developed an interest. So I realized that this is an area of interest for me. If I want to grow in this, I need to work in projects that are in this area. okay i need experience practical experience in this space so i worked with interweave consulting which is one of the leading dei consulting firms in india uh you know i worked with them on various things you know so i uh, looked after some of their content uh they were bringing in the certification program uh for dei to india okay with a with an organization in the us in partnership with an organization in the us so i worked on designing the content of indianizing the content for that program wow. for 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 this market inclusion audits so these things became like you know things that i could relate to and i knew practically i was not just reading articles about it i was doing it mm-hmm. you know and yeah. i think that is what made a big difference in my own growth in my own learning about the subject um and you know i continued like i said with interview for a while for a, a couple of uh, years worked with another organization in dei called kelpchr mm-hmm. worked another when another one and these are in that phase between 2014 to 2021 okay mm-hmm. for 7 years i actually worked independently so i was on retainership so one year with this organization one year with the, that organization and i think it also stemmed from a very personal because the reason i moved to freelancing or independent working as we may call it or gig workers like we call them now yeah was because there was lack of dei practices that supported mm-hmm. women who had children okay Okay. and i had my uh, child at that point in time did not actually find you know enough and uh, enough support from a organizational point of view for child care uh, you know and and things like that so i think that also at a personal level i was driven to see that you know um, you know why is there such lack of awareness this is such a important issue right i mean there are women like me i am just one person but if you just look at the statistic there's so many women who drop off the workforce mm-hmm. because there is no supporting practices in organizations maternity leave of 3 months 4 months is not enough it's not going to you know help a person manage their this new phase in their life and also True. manage to their organizational responsibilities so and stemming from that the biases okay so somebody comes back to work after their maternity leave there's a certain viewpoint you know managers were not in tune in terms of um you know not holding a performance bias against that person 
okay wow. so when i did those studies also in fact one of the studies was about how were managers dealing with uh, their women uh, employees or women team members who were coming back to the workforce after maternity leave was there any sensitization that was done what was their viewpoint were they so they were not very obviously or evidently uh, have a bias like do something against uh, somebody just because mm-hmm. they had mm-hmm. come from maternity but there were very insidious ways very unconscious ways like you know don't give them high profile projects they've just had a baby they won't be able to spend time don't uh, you know they've not they've been on maternity leave for 6 months uh, rating change kar do you know so these kind of things would happen so it started with that those multiple conversations and then understanding what was happening that the journey of di became very personal to me and then of course like i said technically i started uh, getting more involved in terms of working with organizations who were working with clients in this area and building my knowledge on that front so i think those uh, elements uh, would probably have played a very key role in my journey when it started yeah so no in this journey of yours it was not that you were taught something and then you were given a project about it you were not given a project about what you knew but you were given a project and yeah. then you started learning about it especially with the dei correct correct so uh, be it with the, the consulting project uh, be it with the research yeah. project with iit yeah yeah i was not trained correct i was not trained for it i was not qualified for doing it so i i i did it and then i, I have seen yeah. people shut down because they feel they don't know anything or they are not qualified for it so they just yeah. jump out of it Yeah. it is a very significant point actually nishant and that's true there are points in time where i mean i have also felt that you know i don't know if i can do this and i don't know why i'm actually uh, having to do this right and but i think once you overcome that you know i think it's just that 5 10 seconds or fifth, maybe 5 10 minutes i don't know whatever the time frame for everybody mm-hmm. is but for me it's like that 5 10 minutes of feeling stressed and doubtful and then i'm like chalo dekhenge let's at least do it okay you know mm-hmm. we'll see right like if it doesn't work it doesn't work but if i don't try it how will i know that it is not going to work <laughs> very true so i think that has helped me a lot you know that has helped me a lot very true that's uh, that's the perspective a person should have okay apni taraf se to kar lete hai na let's uh, do what we can correct and then correct. let the results decide yeah. so Absolutely. from this uh, doing research how did you get yeah. into teaching like as you are a visiting faculty at two universities including your own yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes uh so i think um so with gim for the goa institute of management it was a again very organic process because um what happened was that they reached mm-hmm. out uh and uh, this was in 2018 mm-hmm. and uh, they reached out saying that because it's seen the work i was doing in dei and they said we want to we had this course a couple of years ago but it sort of didn't really pick up and uh, we want to restart it but we need a new curriculum we need a new mm-hmm. course and we new need somebody who will design it and also deliver mm-hmm. it but it will be an hr elective we will offer it to the students if the students take it in the second year so you know students who are already decided their specialization right so they'll pick up if they pick it up then we will roll it out mm-hmm. so i said fair enough i'll do that but you'll have to let me know that you know what are you expecting of me and what is the so it's a um, it's it started as a two credit course and uh, which means 18 sessions yeah. and uh, 18 classes and um, when they first rolled it out in my initial conversations which was maybe about may of that year uh, they didn't have enough registrations so um, they said that you know that many students have not signed up and this was again so imagine just 5 years back 
I said, all right, no worries. So we won't do it this year. We'll do it next year. But what happened was that the students who had registered for it, right? They went because they were so passionate and they wanted to mm-hmm. do it. They went around speaking to their friends. Wow. And they said, register, 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 you know? So um, that's how they have a minimum. So there was a minimum guideline. Yeah. I think it's a UGC guideline yes. that this many students have to register only. Then the course will be floated and done. Yeah. So they spoke to their friends and everybody. And that's how we basically ma- match that number. And then the head of department from uh, from the human resources uh, and OD department came and said that, you know, we have enough students <laughs> and this is what has happened. Wow. I said, all right. I said, okay. So we'll run it. So that was how. So then I started designing the course. Uh, and then I, pulling back from all the experience that I had, I wanted to structure it in a way that, you know, would be student friendly also. Because like I said, I've done it. You've seen the approach that I had to yeah. do, right? But if I'm going in there and trying to, um, you know, help students understand it, the reason for doing the course is to give them the, the, the leverage that I didn't have, right? Yeah. Because I had not done this course. So I did not have the leverage. And I think being able to share that knowledge and give them that head start was very important. So I had to design the course with a certain amount of theory because they were used to a certain amount of theory being shared, yeah. you know, so they had to be, especially in universities, right? They're expecting an HR course, which will have theory. So, True. you know, so, and I, I mean, I had 15 years out of the system and I would think, yeah, is okay. I don't know. You, you know, so you're already experienced. You're thinking that, you know, who's to, why should I break their bubble and burst their bubble and tell them that? There's no point in all this theory. You really need practical knowledge. But I had to balance that, you know, my thought process and what would the students be able to absorb and their receptivity levels. So I, you know, made sure that the course was a mix of not just theory, but also case studies, but also some introspective exercises. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of DEI is introspection. Until I look inside inward, I'm never going to be an inclusive person outwards. So my journey has to start of inclusion has to start with me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so a lot of uh, introspective exercises on them understanding where they were biased on them understanding in regular life, how biased all of us are, mm-hmm. you know, and that we don't get a different person into the workplace. When we go in, we go in as we are, we go in with our value systems. We go in with our biases. Yeah, right? So, so until we address that and until we recognize that and accept that, and mitigate anything which is affecting my work decisions, I'm not going to be inclusive. And so the whole purpose of DEI is not going to work. I mean, I can hire, a, a, you know, a 20% women, 50% women, or, uh, you know, different people from the LGBTQI community or individuals from uh, different uh, generations, uh, differently able people. But all of that is not going to fall flat if I don't begin that journey of introspection and being inclusive myself, yeah. right? So that is what I wanted to get through with the course also. Okay. And, uh, you know, I think the first year it went very well. I mean, after subsequently also it's gone very well. But what I'm saying is that that first year was a little bit of nervousness for me also because that was the first time I was teaching. I think the profile of the MBA students has also changed. Okay. Like when I went to do my MBA, mm-hmm. I had not done any job. So I had, go- I had gone into, the work, uh, into uh, my MBA with zero experience zero work experience now if you see a lot of people work for some years and then go and do the mba okay so the students i saw and met many of them actually had work experience yeah and then they were coming so they brought a very interesting perspective when we would have our group discussions about dei you know which was very good for me which was a very good experience for me so i think over the years that's how it evolved wow yes this one thing uh even during my mba i have learned this that having work experience made the learning experience much more profound and they were able to extract a lot more knowledge 
and even put up the questions that a person who did not have work experience would not even think about because at that time you take everything at face value you do not have experience about yeah. it you have not faced the challenges exactly. around the same correct so you think this is how it is going to mm-hmm. be so you go with that mindset into yeah. the workplace then at the workplace so many of your your own thought processes your myth of what you studied will break down yeah right they those, those things get broken on very fast yeah. <laughs> so you unless you are prepared for it it's very difficult very true so how did you uh, also get invited to modi university after that that's the second college right yeah so professor sen gupta who's the dean for modi university's school of uh, management he used to be my marketing professor in gim wow okay so he saw that i was taking these sessions in gim mm-hmm. and uh, he said that you're you're teaching this there he said why don't you teach our girls also i said uh, all right i said what is the course like that you want to so they sent me now i had here like in the first yeah. case i had designed the course mm-hmm. but here they sent me some material that they felt should be covered and in addition to that what i was covering okay. so i realized that they were not looking at it from an hr elective point of view they were looking at it as a core course in hr okay much more yeah so which is why like in gim i was doing 16 sessions here i am doing 39 wow more than double you know yeah so you know so the so imagine the depth of content that is got to be covered yeah. right and plus the profile is different like here so there you're getting different profiles because they are a mixed gender okay classroom okay here at modi university it was a it's a women's only wow. university okay so the experience of the information the experience uh, you know was very different plus here there were a lot of students who were uh, very experienced like at least if they even not even very experienced but at least 3 4 5 years of experience in certain cases before they came and did their mba but here most of the girls who were there were freshers okay okay so there was a very different audience yeah. so i had to really make sure uh, you know to cater the content in along these parameters okay okay and make and i think the other big thing was that that course course started uh, when i was doing physical classes so i was going into campus doing the classes of 2018 2019 mm-hmm. so it was i had gone physically for the sessions okay. 2020 onwards after the pandemic it became virtual okay right in case of modi university it was virtual from the beginning oh okay so i did not have any actual contact you know yeah. with the students and a course like dei and uh, unfortunately for me my travel is very restricted because my kids are still very small okay, okay. but i think the whole thing was that you know to deliver a course like that virtually again i had to think of things which would make the course interesting mm-hmm. true and you know things that would hold attention in a virtual span because you know it's a very um one it's a very vast topic secondly it's a very subjective topic okay So you know, it's not like you know, like we have five different proven theories, and you're covering it, and it's done. Uh-huh. It's done in dust. It doesn't work like that. No, it you know? It's so human driven. It is so emotion driven. Uh, you know, so it's a lot of them multiple layers in a course like that. Uh, like I said, you know, you're fluctuating between self introspection and then looking at it in the context of an organization. So that journey of self discovery to how it applies in the organization context who am i in the workplace so a lot of those things conversations are very integral so uh, does uh, sometimes these conversations go towards a spiritual perspective or a very uh, i don't know meditative or in, you know look within and see things from a different perspective so absolutely i think i think every class that i have done every class uh-huh. every session i have done 
starts with an introspection exercise okay because like i said you know that the journey of dei is not about some xyz theory that somebody has written about in dei dei itself is such a new area yeah. you know who is going to take out the theories where are the models true right like something like finance will have a you know book which will have a marketing bible and even an hr some like ob if somebody says organization behavior okay there are psychometric tests and psychological uh, models and things like that right but here you are talking about people here you are talking about how people behave in the workplace yeah. you know because of who they are true yeah okay and then repeatedly telling them that you know this will work but this will not work okay and so this is how you make that journey from without losing your self identity okay. you know without losing that how do you make that journey of okay maybe this is who i am and maybe these are my biases i think that's the big, most difficult part like you said it's like meditation to understand that you know we i'm biased it's the biggest thing for people to uh, accept True. who is able to say that in my bias i have taken this decision how many leaders will come and tell you that today hardly any right it takes a lot of courage to do it so i think it everything it is meditative you know True. and i think a huge part of it is knowing it themselves they might not even know they are doing yeah. because they are biased these are unconscious correct. biases correct and absolutely i think a large part of it is unconscious and i also relate this with one of the things you shared earlier where you indianized some of the Core data. Yeah. So India, a country Correct. where the culture changes every few kilometers, every few miles, Correct. and you have to Correct. Indianize. It means that's a yeah. whole lot of work. That's unfathomable. Yeah, absolutely. So how did all of this come in play at your consulting role uh, in your current job? So let me tell you, I don't do DEI in my consulting role. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, I I work in reward consulting, mm -hmm. but I do DEI. Uh, so I was part of a project. which we did from aon with nascom okay uh, a few months ago primarily because of the work i've done before i rejoined aon okay in in dei and because it is an area that i'm passionate mm -hmm. about so i worked on this project which we've recently released i think in may of this june of this year we released the report we did a sort of study and um with organizations about and again there is nothing like that that exists in india where we are saying that see these are organizations and these are their practices in india mm -hmm. globally organizations are doing a lot of things okay. okay in dei but our emphasis was on one what portion of these global practices of global entities are being replicated in india okay. secondly what are indian organizations doing themselves in dei okay and that also the dei conversation was much wider going beyond gender see in india again we tend to you know i also started like that we tend to focus primarily on gender okay but gender is just one dimension of diversity okay, okay? You, like i said you know you have age you have uh, sexual orientation you have different abilities so people who have different uh, you know who can be differently abled um you have uh, you know caste okay you have language right so there are so many so many variations that are there and uh you know just to focus on one is very difficult and it's not even fair so you know the whole study focused on what is happening in these sub areas or sub dimensions but also what is happening in general across the spectrum of dei organizations who are doing excellent work and how are they doing excellent work how are they actually identifying roic i think the biggest challenge with dei has been that people have not been able to identify what is the business case people say this is a good to do thing okay people will say this is a social initiative it's good you know yeah okay women 
there are not enough women in the workforce women who are returning to workplace we're getting them back not because it's a business need because we want to do something good okay. but that's not true there is enough and more data not just here on many consulting firms have and research firms have published data about how a more diverse organization actually has higher business growth okay that comes from the basic premise that diversity means diversity of thought okay yeah. which means diversity of thought leads to innovation leads to creative solutions and the day you're able to do it you're able to scale your business and make it more sustainable in the long run true so given that entire uh, you know picture organizations who are able to see that entire picture end to end are able to talk about dei from a business perspective and that is the study that you know sort of that i worked on with my team internally in aon which we like i said which we released which was about um, you know what is actually um, what is the intent mm -hmm. so there is intent and there's good intent but what is also happening and not happening okay, okay. so those are factors that we had to bring out very clearly yeah. that you okay. know this is the intent is there mm -hmm. but sometimes the the action is not matching the intent okay okay so you know we are not tracking we are not uh, we are saying we are hiring women but are we also doing any everything to keep them in the workforce we are saying oh we 50% we hire we did a hiring drive and we hired 50% entry level uh, roles were filled by women when you hit the mid management level you see it has dropped to 15% 20% why so the entire picture was is not clear which is what we aimed to do through the study okay so now you have much more clearer information and uh, yeah hopefully enough to make uh, decisive changes in the processes yeah yeah that's our hope with releasing that study i think that is our hope that organizations will use that as a you know as a as a step forward as identifying doing their own gap analysis understanding you know where they can make the changes themselves where they need external consulting firms to step in as an external third party entity mm -hmm. uh, you know to support their direction indeed okay. so what are the biggest challenges that you see these people face um, your client organizations what are the most common challenges they face so i think you know because of the different areas that i work we have seen so far in the last the challenges have changed but i think by and large the biggest challenges have been one is knowing what employees want okay, okay? because i think that just changed when the pandemic happened mm -hmm. right organizations also had a certain perception about what employees want what keeps them engaged what keeps them motivated then the pandemic happened then organizations made drastic changes uh, so i think the the first part is that and many organizations not every but many organizations are grappling with identifying what our employees truly want okay okay that's one the second thing is that you know i think this this whole thing that compensation is important because i work in compensations i mean i love my role but if i don't get paid fairly at the end of the month right mm -hmm. that is going to hit me uh, uh, very hard yeah. right and when i talk about fairness i mean how fair is it as compared to the external market for my role and how fair is it internally also somebody with the same role same kind of profile is it difference is there pay equity or not okay okay internally so i think that's the other challenge they are facing that they are trying to get credible data because i think data is actually very very critical now you know everything every decision that organizations are making now are fact based decisions 
because after the pandemic they are obviously also trying to find their feet again the businesses have suffered some businesses have suffered so there was there has been a slowdown mm-hmm. so they want to find their feet again so now they're taking decisions which are based on facts and where which is wherein they rely on organizations like ours you know to come to them with information okay which is collected from very credible sources which is clients themselves and give them advice on okay this is what data is saying so take your decisions based on data gone other days where you can say my gut feeling is saying this true okay i'm serious yeah. you know my gut feeling cannot decide a business decision today which can land me into a difficult situation okay so uh, whether it is pay decision whether it is talent management okay is this person the right person for the next role right there are again you need data you need assessments proper tools to assess whether this person is a right fitment from the kind of traits you need for a future leader point of view or not okay so that is the depth in which clients uh, are now moving in because if, like i said every decision every decision is a business decision it impacts business directly okay so you know they are being very cognizant of the fact that um you know they have their ground covered because boards are also asking them questions right yeah. so the you know even leadership can't take decisions randomly True. they need to justify to the board so when there are so many stakeholders over in board for us it becomes very important that we provide clients with the data that they need so that they yeah. are able to comfortably uh, and very transparently share with their board the decisions they are making so um this i totally resonate with that when your decision can impact a lot of people yeah. thousands of lives then you have to yeah make decisions based on concrete data justifiable yeah. data when uh, you are one your decision has huge impact and two you are also held accountable by in this case board and uh, absolutely if you are a vp then by cxos correct very true very true so how do you go about facing these challenges and breaking them down what are the key components that you find to be the most challenging i think understanding like i said like organizations are trying to understand what their employees want i think consultants are trying to understand what their clients want uh-huh. right so uh, what i've shared with you is a sort of summary of a range of needs okay that clients have so to be able to understand what a client wants and what we can do okay for them is very important because like i said we have a lot of responsibility uh, when we sign up with clients because there are certain clients who may still know more than us in certain areas of work yeah. but they still treat us as experts so we have to live up to that experience we have to live up to that uh, vision of the client that you are an expert okay and the second thing is that i think that is one very thing that you know that is challenging right because you have to make sure that um you know your client trusts you i think trust is the biggest challenge you know and that takes time to form because it's a competitive market you are up against different players in the market so we, it's not just us that is a consulting firm there are many consulting firms there are many products there are yeah. many solutions in the market why should a client come to us right now like i said you know until you understand the client's requirement and you're able to match your solution to the client's requirement i think that is the tricky part okay typically that takes time and that takes you know a lot of conversations with the client it takes a very very important ro- role that listening plays there you have to listen more than you actually talk because i think a lot of people think consultants talk a lot okay and they are 
you know giving advice giving um, you know uh, giving gyan giving trends all of that but actually uh, i mean a good consultant and a true consultant will be listening more true yeah to pick up the cues that okay this is where we will come in yeah okay so i think that is uh, the tricky part identifying that in different conversations is a very important thing and i think the other challenge uh, that i faced uh, i don't face really just personally me but i think everybody probably who's in consulting will face is that sometimes um, you know you have to say no okay yeah. you want to say yes because you want to your business right you want to get this business you want to be able to sell right and so that's one voice in your head that's saying you should make this sale you should sell this but there is another voice which will tell you that you may sell this but this is a client who will not be happy because this solution is not exactly as per what they look they're looking for okay so at that point in time you have to take you have to take that balanced approach and and be very honest and frank with the client okay and that's difficult let me tell you like for any like i said you know because you're so in tune to wanting to onboard a client that is very difficult to take a step back and say you know what we don't think we can do this at this point in time you know and this is a solution we don't have or we have something but this is what it is so this may meet some part of your need but it will not meet 100% of your need okay and i've seen for me i think i've seen that has worked really well because the more honest you are the more likelihood there is of this client coming back to you 6 months down the line when they have another requirement wow okay yeah. you know so if you're honest right now because it's a large organization right they may have multiple requirements they may have come to you with one requirement right now which is the immediate yeah. you may not be able to fulfill it and if you're honest and able to tell them about what you can do and what you can't do in in all transparency then after i've seen that many times after a few months the same client comes back and says that okay fine you know we have this other need is this possible okay so the different area in hr different and there are solutions and we may like it's likely that we have a solution there so which is what i think you know um, is to let your the, yeah. the long term voice you know speak louder than your you know short term voice which is saying you know get this done get this done. yeah i so, totally understand so now i'll uh, take this into a slightly different tangent on how well do you think mental health of a person plays a role in their journey as an employee and by effect their contribution to the dei environment of the company uh i think it's a very very important question i'm so glad you've asked this because uh you know i think this is uh this is one of the areas where i think many organizations are also sort of grappling with the changing reality of the world we are in right i think the good part is we are talking more about it the sad part is that we don't understand it as much as we should and uh, i think i'll go back to the what i said earlier about in the context of dei that we don't leave who we are outside of our workplace we are in a situation where our mental health is not strong okay or we are facing some challenges which are impacting our mental health and we are not able to voice it or we have no avenue to share it we are likely carrying that into our workplace yes. okay it will impact our behavior okay it will impact our behavior not only uh with uh, like our colleagues but even like i said if, if from a consulting point of view it will impact our behavior with our clients it will impact our behavior in a not only in smaller teams but in larger teams with in any situation okay so i think that the fact that mental health is um you know is so crucial to employee performance 
is now is now a gaining momentum that idea okay in fact even in um, leon we have our chief uh, wellness officer and uh, she repeatedly talks about uh, yesterday i think i was seeing a podcast from her about uh, um, you know employee happiness okay. right how, how how important is it to talk about happiness very important how important it is to understand whether your employees are happy or not very very important to gauge that mm-hmm. okay so i think ga- the the step the first step to understanding mental health challenges starts at that stage to try and understand your employees first okay understand you know not only i mean not only view them as employees but you view them as individuals who have a life outside work okay? oh, yeah and when you know and and if they have life outside work there will be challenges outside of work yeah which can impact their workplace right so if i have personal challenges it's possible that there's a certain level of stress it will create in my mind we are not robots right so we can't switch off and switch on yeah you know so it will inherently come into my mind at some point in time and unknowingly impact my performance in or if it doesn't impact my performance also maybe it will impact my relationships in the workplace yeah it will have my interaction in the workplace you know so it will have those those things impact that impact and i will not be able to be a team player even if i'm a high potential employee i will not be able to perform as per my potential okay and i that's why i think instead of um thinking that you know uh, just looking at like i said just looking at okay why is this employee's performance not uh, in line with what we wanted to be i think organizations need to try and dig a little deeper find out um, you know what could be the reason for that okay is it actually related to something in the organization or is it something outside Okay. okay give them opportunities to talk about it see i think some employees will prefer individual how many organizations actually have counseling sessions they do they pay for it no very few organizations will pay for you to go to a counselor and talk mm-hmm. right why and why don't employees do it the employees don't do it for two reasons one sometimes therapy sessions are expensive mm-hmm. okay secondly there is a stigma associated with it okay by from when the organization takes that step of giving a benefit like that or talking about it or saying you know what we have an in-house counselor okay if you are comfortable go ahead and have that conversation or if you are doing it outside this is the amount we will reimburse it this is a limit and we will reimburse it but have that conversation i think you know when that constant urging is there or encouragement is there employees will un- be able to do both they will be able to destigmatize the fact that you know mental health is a problem that can be there for anybody everybody okay irrespective of their circumstances okay i can be in the happiest of circumstances and still be impacted by mental health challenges yeah okay? very true so i think that recognition and that understanding and identifying that i am actually experiencing something which is uh, you know which is from a mental or emotional perspective pulling me down that recognition has to come from the employee or the person individually yeah. there like i said you know organization can provide them the avenues to do it okay and plus i think very important is that again like with dei okay you know i i can go and give 100 lectures on dei okay but if i don't follow it in my actions in my workplace mm-hmm. in front of my team mm-hmm. okay my team is not going to get the message of me being inclusive yeah. right same with mental health we can create hundreds of well being and wellness initiatives right if the leaders don't do it mm-hmm. and say boss i am going to switch off okay <laughs> yeah you know i am going to switch up because this is a wellness uh, you know initiative and this is what it requires me to do and i'm going to switch off from work and just take this time off because i care about my well being 
okay work will happen i think you unknowingly you give out a message to everybody else. they're not asking you for permission but tacit permission comes yeah okay they're okay the leader is doing this why can't i yeah right i think those things make a big difference yeah and acceptance towards this otherwise people correct. would feel oh i can't switch off from work what will people think correct correct what will everybody else think my work is so crucial yeah. you know the nobody else <laughs> the nobody else can do it so, so those kind of what things, do you yeah. think are the initiatives that should be taken to support employees mental health you know that company should take be it your clients or your own organization even I think the first step like I said is more and more conversations that's mm-hmm. one the second is giving them opportunities to de-stress okay uh so again I don't want to like I mean I can only talk about my organization primarily because of what I have experienced right uh so we have global wellness days when the office shuts down complete everywhere globally okay okay so we have two every year which uh you know wherein everybody is encouraged to shut down every uh, you know their their uh, work okay and this is clubbed with a weekend so it's a friday or a monday okay okay wow. long weekends yeah so you know yeah so you know so you actually so organization is giving you that message that you know we are giving you the opportunity to unplug okay take it okay so i think that is a very uh, uh, big thing okay uh, the second thing is i think you know um, having teams which are empathetic to each other's needs okay so like i said like and i said this repeatedly i have small kids uh-huh. okay understanding that you know and then i worked with one of my colleagues who is differently able so we have to understand each other's needs as team members okay that empathy is where that inclusion part comes that until i'm actually inclusive until i try and imagine what it is to be in the other person's shoes i am never going to be able to take the steps to uh, you know um, rebalance things in the workplace okay so i think that sort of helps because then Uh, like i said then i'm also not stressed mentally because i know my team understands me understands my condition right uh, that person who is maybe differently abled or uh, somebody who is maybe has some other requirements or has elderly parents to take care of and therefore they need some time off sometimes uh, that understanding of each other's personal like i said the understanding that i am not just a person sitting here and doing this work but i'm also a person outside of this and i have some other responsibilities and i have some other things outside of this that are important for me or maybe i have certain conditions which do not allow me to you know sit for say hours and do stuff mm-hmm. right so understanding of that reduces mental stress okay okay so inclusion has a very direct impact on mental stress yeah. more inclusive the environment the higher the uh, the the ability for employees to be able to release their 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 mental uh, stress and be uh, in a healthier space emotionally okay i think that that's that's very that empathy is very very critical uh, you know from that point of view being able to again like i said small gestures like when i was in another project i needed to suddenly take leave mm-hmm. okay for my uh, for my uh, child and i mean i did not have my managers telling me that you know you first mark the leave and then take leave i had managers who told me you take the leave and then you tell me i we don't because your family is priority your family needs you right now your child needs you right now you why, why are you asking us you know for leave you should simply just take the leave and then we'll do everything as you can apply do whatever you want to do okay so i think that makes that kind of come again like i said you know that trust that you know uh, you know that work will get done work is work work will get done performance is not getting impacted 
but the person needs to be treated as a person yeah okay and they will have these thing and life will happen yeah true okay yeah exactly you know work is happening but life will continue to happen right like i cannot stop life from happening around me totally you know so i think those things make a big difference okay. that organizations should definitely be doing so uh, do organizations look out for these or is there like a gap between what they should be doing and what they are looking out for in terms of their employees mental health i think see what i see now is that there is awareness mm-hmm. so they have become aware that mental health issues have especially i don't know if they've arisen more or there is more awareness because of the pandemic uh-huh. but there is definitely uh, people are at least talking about it organizations are talking about it then the other thing is organizations are trying to put in some steps in place to balance things out but i still feel a lot of it is cultural see i mean like i said you know a lot of it has got to do with company culture until you fundamentally change a company's culture in terms of making it like i said inclusive empathetic leaders understanding these nuances about employees mm-hmm. not you know no, not where you know leaders are saying no i will only assess you if you come into office every day from 9 to 5 you know so i mean yeah. that kind of mindset has got to change that right i think until that you know that time is gone that population is gone i think leaders who think that they can do that and uh, get uh, talent in this market <laughs> i think they are they are very very overly optimistic uh-huh. uh, because uh, the current generation doesn't care true yeah they don't true. care you know that i have to sit in office my work is done my work is done mm-hmm. yeah i will and i feel and what i realize is that organizations are now waking up to the fact that there is work and there is life and there is fashion there are people who follow or pursue certain passions in life like i said you know i have a community which does baking baking has nothing to do with my day job it has nothing to do with my personal life it is an interest to have right so there are people who go trekking people who travel people who um like do other social impact work or uh, anything anything you know like they do different kinds of things right they want to do people who paint people who sing people who dance right so people have other passions they want to follow and they want to make time for it okay i think that awareness is now slowly coming that okay fine that you know uh, uh, an employees we need to look at employees in a holistic way okay and their well being is a component of all these things their well being cannot be just okay i paid you this and that's enough okay you know like i'm paying you the best in the market and that's enough that will not be enough that is needed to pay not the best but at least what is market competitive uh-huh. but apart from that you have to do a lot of other things also to ensure that your employees are uh, you know uh, well taken care of okay so the awareness of what is needed is now arising and there is still some gap between its implementation though there is there is there's a huge gap little i think is a nice way to say it the huge gap in implementation we're still looking at it operationally i mean i can i introduce this benefit can i just do this in policy that's not going to again you know those those are very very small steps okay there are like us like decades to get to where we want to you want to actually make a big change you have to take big significant steps you know to uh, to to take that leap you know in terms of making those changes quickly so that your employees can benefit from those changes wow that's quite interesting that's probably a journey of a decade at least but definitely yeah yeah but it will be a good one hopefully for the organizations uh-huh, yes. and the employees <laughs> 
Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Ms. Imran, for coming on this podcast. And you had such diverse experiences that you were able to put through in a story format. I was like, yeah, <laughs> learning in your, uh, you know, being a student in your class would be interesting. By <laughs> that, you'll have to ask the students. <laughs> sure. Thank you again. And Thank you so much, Chan. Thank you for your time also. I had a great time talking to you. I'm really glad you enjoyed the conversation. <laughs>